0: Welcome to the Ask Dr. Renee Show. I am your host, Dr. Renee. This show is here to motivate and inspire you to live the life you deserve. If this is your first time watching our show, some of our past guests have included Christine Bulware of itsashort.com, Elvira Guzman of LVGPR, Shanti Das, the hip-hop professional of Press Reset Entertainment, Cupid, R&B singer, Dance Party King, Cupid Shuffle, Q-Robics, and Alicia Butterfield-Jones of Ween, Women Empowerment and Entertainment Empowerment Network. You can catch all the old episodes on my website as well as YouTube.com slash ask Dr. Renee. Our guest tonight is Sherry Riley. Her resume includes her company Glue Inc., Exponential Living. She's a John Maxwell coach, a wife, mother, daughter, and a great sister friend. Welcome to the show, Sherry. Hi, Re- Dr. Renee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hi, my friend. How are you doing? <laughs> great.
0: Uh, we have a lot of ground to cover tonight, so let's get started
1: alright
0: please share with us how you got into the entertainment industry
1: oh goodness long 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 story short because uh, we only have an hour um, <laughs> but I, I knew very early I knew by 14-15 that I wanted to work in the entertainment industry and I am a woman of a certain age so that was like at that time saying that I wanted to create hotels on Mars <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean because it was before there was this proliferation of what the entertainment industry is. There was no reality shows, Puffy hadn't done making the band, you know. And um, so it wasn't like you knew there was this industry behind the music, especially growing up in Kentucky. But I just I knew that's what I wanted to do and I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And as I just referenced, I'm from Kentucky and Ohio. And uh, so when I went to college, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to work in entertainment, and I spent uh, the five years I was in college studying Billboard, not reading it, <laughs> studying it. I studied Hollywood Reporter. I studied Variety. I studied at that time Impact Magazine and BRE. And every week for about four and a half years, I would call anywhere between ten and twenty-five. Record executives, film executives, entertainment executives. I'd send out about 50 email. Of uh, Well, no, when you have email then, I'd send out about 50 <laughs> resumes and cover letters that were actually typed. You know, the old, you know, a typewriter. I'm a typewriter, on, a a typewriter on a typewriter, not a word processor. On a typewriter. And I did that for about four and a half years, and no one would take my call. Um, in addition to that, I would manage the DJ's on campus I was president of my sorority Delta Sigma Theta sorority incorporated so I did all of our parties I was the president of the minority programming committee so I did all those events so any and everything I could do to build my understanding of this industry and so I went to the local radio stations and asked them to let me intern like I literally asked them to let me work for free and I still couldn't get a job I could not get anyone to even let me work for free and um, so my school my college University of Louisville we had a radio station that no one in the African-American community (laughs) knew about because it was only on from 9 to 5, 9am to 5pm they only played heavy metal and hard rock and uh, so I went to them and said hey like none of the black students know you exist give me my own radio program like you go off air at 5 o'clock anyway so let me have a program from 5 to 9 called, uh, I called it the, the, uh, e- an evening extravaganza. And they were like, Well, we don't have any urban music. We don't have any music, period, that you would even want to listen to. And I said, I got it. Like, if you give me the airtime, I'll do the rest. And uh, I had absolutely no music. <laughs> but because I'd been making those phone calls uh, for four and a half years, I now had a reason to talk to people. And so I started asking them to send me music. And that's when I first learned that, that that was the industry standard is record labels send music to radio stations. And so I really started learning by just, you know, this quote unquote create the opportunity for yourself. And uh, so I did that. Um, created a tremendous buzz. I created my own T-shirts. I did flyers, like literally. I created this, you know, movement on campus because nobody knew anything about our radio station. And from there, I um, out of college when I graduated. A funny story, Dr. Ade. I worked with a company in college that did the football classics and they had a magazine. So I became the entertainment editor of the magazine the first two people I interviewed, I interviewed Babyface and I interviewed Lavert and literally my first two jobs in the industry was working with Gerald Lavert and the second job was working for Babyface at LaFace. So that is literally the thumbnail on how I learned about the industry and then when I graduated I found a job in Cleveland. Uh, A gentleman I met told me hey if you get a job in Cleveland you can intern with me but I ended up working like 70-80 hours a week so I never got to intern with him but I met Gerald LeVert and at that time I knew everything about Sylvia Rhone I wanted to be the next Sylvia Rhone and so I literally walked up to him and was like hey I've been trying to get to Sylvia Rhone for 5 years like can you get me to Sylvia Rhone and he was like yo what do you do and I told him marketing and and uh, from there, it was like six months later, but him and Andy Gibson, the president of the company, gave me my first shot part, uh, part-time, doing marketing for Gerald and his stable of artists. And that's how I got into the industry. Wow. wow. <laughs> and that's literally <laughs> Please tell the everyone what school up. you went to. The University of Louisville, in Louisville, yes. Kentucky. Yes.
0: That is, that. that's quite a story. <laughs> Point in story but you know what It's that determination and just like you said you studied billboard that's yeah. just like you know people don't understand I read credits after the movies after the TV yeah. shows I you know I'm really focused on who these people are because you just you never know and that's kinda like the day I met Michael Malden no mm-hmm. one knew who he was of course I mean he was in a mall And he was just walking, and I said, "Excuse me." And he thought I was saying, "Excuse me, like you're in my way." I go, "No, Mr. Malden, I'd like to speak to you." And I'm Dr. Renee. And he's like, "You know who I am?" I said, "Yes." Mm -hmm. So, and everyone's like, "Who's Michael Malden?" I'm like, "That's JD's father." Right. (laughs) How did you know what he looked like, let alone his name? I said, "Well, when you study, you know these things, and everything." You know, a lot of people say that you. um, They say there's no such thing as luck. It's Mm prep. It's um. What is it? Consistency. Preparation. Preparation Preparation means um, means opportunity.
1: Opportunity.
0: Exactly. And that's it. When you study and study, you know. Um. Another quick story. When I was when I met Oprah the first time when I was on her show, she was talking about her OBGYN and how wonderful she was, and I said, "Oh, Dr. Northrup." And people who watched the video were like how does she know who oprah's doctor is mm-hmm. and my sister's response of course was well she's doctor Renee of course she knows <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah you have to really be diligent you have to really study and be, you just have to keep going because you could have gave up after the first day of sending out resumes
1: you know oh my god you know a funny thing when I um when I did start working with Juro, and again I was working part-time and the Vice President of Promotions at Atlantic Records where LaVert was signed was Richard Nash and Richard would say to me in meetings you know I've, I've, I've known you for a long time like you, you you've been doing some good things in the industry. Well I was as green as the day is long. I was working part time, I'd been I'd been at the company maybe three months <laughs> but the reason he thought he knew me was because my maiden name is Hughley. And so Sherry Hughley had been on his phone log, his message pad, for years. (laughs) So he knew the name. So he thought, so instantly, I got this credibility of like this high-powered executive with a vice president. And I mean, literally, I would sit in meetings with vice presidents who thought, because Richard said he knew me, but he didn't. He just knew my my name had been on his phone log. So again, that was, I mean, it took me from a quote-unquote you know intern working part-time within three months I was sitting at the table with decision-makers now I had to then quickly <laughs> step up and deliver at right. that level and I was able to one you know because I was stupid enough to think hey go do it um, but more importantly because I had studied. I mean I knew so much about the industry before I got in the industry like I knew where people because I would read the roundtable which was where executives they would talk about where they were working now and and I knew marketing strategies from artists that had been released like you know over the course of those last five years I had this wealth of information that that gave me you know the the information you know information is king I I was so well informed that I sit there with these vice presidents and made major decisions and I was literally walking working part-time I didn't even have like materials.
0: (laughs) That is funny. That is too funny. But you know I say fake it till you make it but at the same time do not get yourself in some sling that you can't get out of. Right. Right. You know. My whole thing is I'll say yes to a lot of things because I know who to call to make sure Mm -hmm. that I can get it done. So if I don't know then I know who does know. So don't say you know you can do it and then you have no resources. Right, right. And I mean the okay. lovely Google now, it's you know, it's a lot easier now for anybody to get an internship, to get mm-hmm. in front of the right person. It's just a lot easier. And I think that unfortunately the generation, the millennials as they call them, I don't think yeah. that they realize how easy they have it.
1: Oh my God. You know we know the sad part is with the proliferation of information, they're actually lazier. Like they have so much access to so much more. And they show up totally unprepared, and you like, how can you be unprepared? And everything you need is a finger click away, yet you know, prior to the for to Google, I mean, we had to go find the information in magazines right. and books. You had to and go, and go buy Wikipedia. the magazines. You had to yes. go buy
0: the CDs. You had like, to, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like I would go and read. The credits on the back of CDs. Exactly. You know, to know who produced this, who wrote it, what publishing house did it come from. I'd literally spend hours in record stores reading that, you know. And now they can sit at a computer and they won't even do that part. So it's it, it's a different mindset.
0: Totally different.
1: Totally yeah. different.
0: So you get in the industry and mm-hmm. then you decide to start your own company. So how did you start Glue Inc? Yeah. Women that are, yo, go ahead. Tell so me I always
1: said. knew that I was going to be an entrepreneur so in college <clears> my <throat> business electives were SBA classes, entrepreneur classes and so I was at LaFace Records I resigned when I left um, Treble, Treble Productions which is Durrell's management and production company and LaFace called me and I uh, became the head of marketing there uh, with uh, my boss was Devette Singletary God rest her soul And I was responsible for the marketing for Usher, Tony Braxton, TLC, the 1996 Olympic album. But I always knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. And uh, so after three years, I resigned and I took about 10 months off. Um, And later on, I'll talk to you about what that was all about. And during that time, I just really decompressed and allowed myself to really figure out uh, and meditate on what my next move would be and that was launching glue and uh, glue is uh, 17 years old it was 17 years in October
0: yay now how did you come up with the name glue let's start
1: there one of the most creative individuals I've ever worked with uh, Derek Warfield DL Warfield gave me that name so about six months before I resigned from Lafayette and I knew that I was going to leave with with the idea of the company. And so I was talking to him about, you know, what the company would do and and what I wanted to create with the company. And so one day he was like, call it glue. Not glue marketing, not glue entertainment, not glue, just just strictly glue. And I'm like, eh, you know, okay, let me think about it. You know, I had other names. And when I was in college, I used to call it Careers Are Unlimited and so one day I was talking to a Sora and a good friend Nikita Newell Hall and uh, at the time she was working uh, I think she was working at ICM at the time and I was telling her I was like so you know it's kinda like You know, I'm this manager like and not that I'm you know, I'm kinda like the one that really helps and kinda guides careers and she's like, You're a manager and I'm like, No. And I was like, No, it's kinda like I do the the strategy, the branding. And she was like, Oh, so you're an agent? I'm like, No, and I was like, See, I'm kinda like that thing in the middle that makes it all work, you know, like the glue. And when I said (laughs) it, when it came out of my mouth, I was like, That's it. That's the name. I told Derek, one day I'll write him a check. One day, one day I'll write in my check. Um, but it, you know, it stuck, and uh, so the, the the no pun the, intended. No, well, actually, <laughs> pun intended, because the original tagline was "Developing partnerships that stick." Oh, I like it. I like yep, it. Yep, that was the original tagline.
0: That is pretty awesome. So tell everyone exactly what does Glue Ink do for those that don't know.
1: Glue now, I mean, it's evolved as all companies will do after 17 years. Um, But we develop profitable partnerships for products and personalities. So still very true to the core um, as it relates to celebrity procurement and really working with corporations, brands, and individuals on their overall strategy and implementation. So we've always focused on how do we create partnerships and then how do we facilitate those partnerships through public relations, event consultation, celebrity procurement. Um, So our clients range from Converse to BET Networks uh, to Usher Raymond's Foundation uh, to the National Basketball Association. Uh, So we've been able to really service our clients at the highest level for over 17 years. That
0: is pretty cool. Um, for women out there who are working for a company and want to start out on their own, what advice do you have for them?
1: Women specifically? Well anyone really I guess. Okay, Um, you know what in this economy the the playing field has been leveled with uh, the Internet. You know the startup costs are not as high uh, depending on your business. You know naturally that's relevant to the business Um, But I would definitely, and, and this is that tried and true, is I would have at this point at least nine months to a year of all your bills paid money. You know, and when I say all your bills, I mean not just your rent, your car, no gas. I mean your marketing budget, whether that's building, creating a website, whether that's business cards. Um, that has to include the licensing like your state license fees. that has to include you know you gotta really make sure that all those things are in this you know nine-month allocation of finances now can you do it without that yeah but the difference is do you want to launch or do you want to build and what's happened is a lot of people have launched companies with a minimum input financial input but in order to grow sustain maintain you gotta be able to get past that initial income rush you gotta be able to make it through when business decreases when you gotta go through a four-month or six-month business development period where sales may not be as high Um, and so you know a lot of times companies don't fail because they have a great business idea and they're successful in in the beginning A lot of times they fail when that initial financial lull hits the the business and that is inevitable. I mean, it happens with all companies from Coca-Cola to Apple. You know what? You know Apple is the (laughs) highest profit company in the world. They have like 187 billion in cash. I just heard that the other day. Like they are the number one profit company in the world. And that says a lot because one, they were almost out of business in that time period we all know of. And two, they have a very small market share. And I bring that up to say so many young entrepreneurs, new entrepreneurs, they want to do everything. They want to do everything versus what is the one thing that you can be known as the absolute best? Apple is known in their industry as the absolute best in user-friendly technology. They have the smallest market share. Like their market share is so small that hackers don't even fool with them. That's why there's no, you know, the proliferation of virus, antivirus like you have for Microsoft. But they're the highest profit company in the world. So the big advice outside of the financial I would give to upstarts and young entrepreneurs is really really find your one thing. You know, don't try to come out the box with you got 15 services, you got seven slashes on your business card, you know, and then you're you know a jack of all trade what is it a jack of all things a trade whatever that thing is. Right. Basically you got too much going on so I don't know what to hire you for. Master uh, of none. Yeah, those would be my two key pieces of advice. Okay, I just want to remind
0: everyone we will take questions. Please, uh, if you're logged into Google Plus, that's how you have to ask the questions. In the upper right hand corner, you'll see nine little boxes. Click there; it'll say Q and A. Click Q and A, and then it'll drop down, and it'll say Ask a Question on the right hand side of your screen, and you can ask the question, and we will take the questions later. So that, that is very good advice. I totally agree. Um, when people you, you have to get focused. I've heard this from several people that have started companies, and they do end up doing many things. It's just you need to start with one and yeah. get that going and then move on to something else.
1: And, and, you know, the thing is that most of us feel like, well, I could make money at this, I could be making money at this, and all that's true, but what will people know you to come to you for? and that's the biggest thing It's not what you can't do or can do and so you're trying to limit yourself no it's like if I don't know what to hire you for then how do I know to come to you in this market where everything is so busy there are so many distractions you wanna know what people should actually hire you for you know you wanna be very very clear and if you can't do that if you're sending multiple messages into the marketplace
0: I agree so now you have Exponential Living, yes. so what is Exponential Living? Please explain how that concept and how it came to fruition and the life well, coaching and speaking. and.
1: Yes, well Exponential Living is a lifestyle of pursuing peace, choosing clarity and living courageously. And Exponential Living actually started when I was at LaFace and uh, but I've just I guess in the last 18 months, I, I, I call it phase 3, <laughs> um, where well, LaFace was kind of the, the setup, then glue is phase 1 and, and uh, exponential living is phase 2. But I began to really do exponential living uh, when I was at LaFace, working with, with Usher. And you had this young, you know, 14, 15 year old kid that I was responsible for his marketing. He had a dream, you know. I got to LaFace Records because I had a dream. And I didn't really know the politics of the industry. I just knew, you know, I'm a kid from the Midwest who's living her dream and my job is to make sure my artists succeed. But I also felt this responsibility to my artists as people. I always felt like though I was paid to be the marketing person and be concerned with their brand. Me, Sherry Riley. I was always concerned about who they were as the man, you know, or the woman. And uh, so, a lot of when I resigned from The faith I met with Usher and I met with Janetta, and I told him I could never work with him. And you know, at first he didn't under for years he didn't understand it. Um, and you know, most people wouldn't, because how? Why would anybody leave a company to start a company and not take a great, great client, you know, to work with them? Um, but you know, I'm a woman of faith, and I was very clear that my purpose in his life and was more than just being a marketing person. It was to work with him on his personal development and how he made decisions and how he dealt with conflict and just how he matured as a person. Um, not again, not calling it exponential living. I just knew that was my purpose. And then when I started Glue, um, at the very beginning of Glue. I was very clear that glue was a bridge and a foundation to what I was really supposed to do, which was exponential living. Still didn't call it that, um, but I was very clear that I was supposed to work with influencers and high achievers on how to stop spending 100% of their time on 10% of who they are. You know, how do you not only just go after success, but how do you live with that success? and that uh, so I knew that was my journey and then when it was time to really transition into exponential living what I found is my own story and the truth of so many other people that I worked with was that we had this great life you know at LaFace I was living my dream I had a high six-figure income I had an unlimited expense account I was traveling all over the world I worked with the biggest artists in the world I had access I had resources and I was miserable I was miserable. I mean, I loved my job. I love what I did. Um, but my hair was falling out. I had no peace. I I, I was so stretched, I was so burnt out, I was so stressed that the core of who I was, I was overweight, I just I wasn't healthy, I wasn't taking care of myself. Now I had money, um, but I didn't have a good life. And so I knew that we could have a good life and have good success, but there was going to be some choices we had to make. And I, I've learned and I've grown because I'm my very first client is that when we choose to pursue peace, it gives us the clarity to make the choices that will allow us to have a good life. But we can only make those choices through courage. It takes courage for me to leave a company, leave a six figure income, tell the, one of their top artists, no, we won't work together. Um It takes courage to make those kind of choices. But some you know, 20 some years later, we have a great friendship. I, I launched exponential living and what exponential living and how it can serve others through working with him at that time, not even knowing it was what I was called to do as a occupation. I just knew it was the right thing to do. Um, but it also allowed me that courage allowed me to understand really what I'm purposed to do. Um, and that is to serve as a personal development coach, leadership coach, and life strategist. And, and what that is, is, you know, working with high achievers who get to that place where they're not clear anymore. Like they had a goal, whether it's to get in the NFL or whether it's to get a successful recording career or become an actor or actress um, or become vice president, become a multimedia personality. You know, they get to that goal, and then they go, what's next? You know, I I accomplished this goal, but now what's next? Or now what? Like I'm good. Like I I, what else am I gonna do? I'm burnt out. This doesn't really fulfill me. I'm 25 and I've reached my goals. I'm 35 and I want to be married or have children. You know, or you get to that place where you're like, is this it? You know, that's how I was. Once I finally reached, you know, working at a record label, I was like, okay, you know, this is. I'm good. Like, I'm 27 years old and I've reached my goal. I thought it would take me to 40, but I'm here. You know, and so now what do I do? And to have a life strategist that's able to work with you and help you walk through your own clarity. Because, as my dear friend and my mentor, Les Brown, says, it's hard to see yourself when you're in the picture frame. And so, when you're in your own picture, it really helps to have someone outside of that picture frame to just ask you the right questions to help you get your own clarity for that which you already know but you just need a little help finding it out for yourself
0: that is the best explanation I've ever heard of a life coach life strategist ever and it's funny that you mention that because one when I graduated medical school I said to my mother now what do I do yeah my entire life was Renee's gonna be a doctor, Renee's gonna be a doctor then I walked across the stage and I said okay now what? Now what? Because my whole life, everything I did was trying to get to be a doctor. My mm-hmm. classes in school, the extracurriculars, everything was to prepare for that. So now what do I do with my life, like I'm here, so now what? Yeah. yeah. And um, I literally asked that and people thought I was crazy and I said no, this, this is a problem. I have nothing to look forward to, nothing to work towards. Why am I getting up in the morning? Mm-hmm. I'm not working on anything. Like I've achieved the goal, and that was it, and I'm done. Like, what do I do now? And um, it's funny you said that because that seriously happened to me, and I, I just was like, whoa,
1: you know. And it's so common. It's so common, and it's so devastating for some people. I mean, because some people, I know your support system. I mean, you have a solid support system with your family. You know, imagine someone who is 24, 25 they're the number one recording artist in the world and people are looking at them like what do you mean you're not happy what do you mean you don't know what you want to do you got the world at your feet you got all the money you could want well money doesn't buy peace money doesn't More buy happiness. clarity or, nor happiness and it doesn't buy clarity it doesn't buy peace and it doesn't buy clarity and it's really hard to get that kind of insight from your inner circle You know, if they're either on your payroll or their family, you know, so that's another reason a life strategist is so important because they're outside of your inner circle. And here's the thing about, you know, coaching and I call it life strategy, but with coaching is there has to be a rapport. I mean, there's so many coaches and there's so many good coaches out there. Um, some of them are coaches because they're, you know, they've been transitioned out of their current employment and then there's some that this is really what they're called to do and then there's some that they just have, you know, great, great insight. Um, but it's all about the rapport as well. You you gotta find someone who understands your journey, but there also has to be that rapport. You know, and I, I don't I only work with a few people from a coaching standpoint. Um, you know, the ready, the willing and the committed and also do we have that rapport, you know and again I'm a woman of faith but am I ordained to be the person that can be used to help them be guided through the process because coaching is not mentoring, it's not teaching, and it's not advocating you know teaching is I teach you what I know advocating is I give you something that you need to help open this door mentoring is like I got advice that can help you through the process but again, all of those things mean it's in me, and I'm giving it to you. Coaching says everything you need is in you. I'm able to help to guide you to bring it out.
0: That's that's cool, <clears throat> and very important. Yeah, very important, especially when you get to a level where you have a bunch of yes people and nobody is telling you the honest to goodness truth. Mm-hmm. So. I can understand where it's definitely definitely necessary. Um, it's also funny, you mentioned Les Brown. I'm sure you remember. So two years ago, Sherry invites me to this call with Les Brown, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. And it was a call. I'm like, great. So I get on the call. It was only like 30 of us. Mm-hmm. And he talked and talked and talked, and then he said, okay, I'll take questions. And I was texting my friend that was also on the call. and. He was like, "You can ask a question." I was like, "I'm trying to think of something. I'm trying to think of something." <laughs> and um, he's like, "Well, I'm not gonna ask anything." And then I go, "No, I'm gonna ask." And then I did. I said, "Okay, I figured it out." And I couldn't believe it. He took my question. He was so mm-hmm. nice. Um, you recorded the call, so I actually have that soundbite for my keepsake forever and ever. Yeah. Um, I even posted what he said to me on my website as a testimonial he said he sees great things in me and I was like this man has talked to me for all of two seconds Just <laughs> he no but he was wonderful I remember I got off the phone call my mother said I just spoke to Les Brown she said how did you do that <laughs> and she's like he was talking to a bunch of people I go no 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 he was talking to Dr. Renee and he told right. me this <laughs> and she's like okay and so I don't even know if I ever played her the audio but yeah it was funny but um, and it was just amazing. And actually, I emailed him. He emailed me back. I was just elated. Mm-hmm. So, thank you to you for that, because um, that was in the beginning of a big transition for me. And it yeah. has really, you know, I've kept it in the back of my mind, and it's really helped me to keep moving forward. So, I really do appreciate that. <clears throat> so, um, exponential living—it um, just sounds so amazing. And then, so how does the jo- how does John Maxwell fit in with that?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, John Maxwell is one of my mentors. I'm actually one of the founding partners of the John Maxwell team. There is almost 5,000 of us around the world. So it is a global community, but it's a very close knit community. And uh, John is, oh my God, like he has been a heaven send for me because he's such a humble man, such a powerful man, such a focused man, such an accomplished man. Um, but as he puts it he walks slowly through the room and what that means is you know everywhere he goes he's never above anyone and that was very refreshing for me spending you know my entire adult life in the entertainment industry and being around a lot of people that the world puts them on a pedestal but they don't really have power and here's someone who genuinely has global influence you know Inc. Magazine. He's the number one leadership business expert in the world, um, according to Inc. Magazine. And he is powerful, but his power comes from serving. His power comes from what he wants to bring value to you versus what you're supposed to do for him. And so, at a time in my life where I'd spent, you know, so much of my career in the entertainment industry, um, it just really helped mold me in the sense of how I really really know I'm supposed to serve. It kind of like gave me a stamp that I wasn't crazy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that um, I have this heart to serve people. I have this heart to help people be better people. I have this desire to help people get to where they're destined to be. You know, the things that I've done with, like I said, with Usher or with Dolvet Quince, who's the um, one of the lead uh, trainers on NBC's Biggest Loser, Loser uh, Rashawn Ali who's a multimedia personality on headline news and CBS sports you know I've had this distinctive and honor of just being there and being a catalyst for their clarity that's allowed them to really elevate in their career and in their personal development but coming from the entertainment industry where the world says the light should be on you And uh, so, being exposed to John, him being a mentor, me working very closely with him, me being able to listen to him in person twice a year, speak, you know, and hearing him on calls, you know, three, four times a year, um, it it really matured me uh, and how I lead. Because now I understand leadership is nothing than nothing more than influence, as he says. You know, it's not the one who has the most money. It's not the one who has the most exposure. It's not the one who you know, has the most attitude. It really is how many people do you influence? And how do you influence them for them to be better, not for you to shine? And uh, that was a great, great maturity for me uh, in working closely with him. So it's been my honor to be one of the founding partners of his team. Um, and it's an honor to be able to uh, take his leadership principles, incorporate them in exponential living, and really grow uh, my brand and my message.
0: Uh, we have a question from Teresa Mas. Where does that courage come from that you had to leave, you know, LaFace to do glue Ink? And what was Re- Usher's initial reaction when you told him?
1: <laughs> well, I'll start with the second one. Uh, <laughs> his initial reaction was um, it was disappointment because literally it was right at the beginning of "You Make Me Wanna," um, and I wouldn't leave until I set up the album. Um, but it with the disappointment, because he knows I'm a woman of faith, because he knows how much I do things in prayer, um, he was very supportive. Like he understood, he genuinely understood that this is what I needed to do and what I was purposed to do. Um, and he, it, like I said, at first he didn't understand why I wouldn't work with him. It took about five years, and he re, he hit a very critical place in his life, and um, because I was there. We were able to really walk him through that critical place, and that's when he really understood it. Because I wasn't on the payroll, I didn't know what was going on with all the business. I mean, at the end of the day, I genuinely just loved Usher. Period. Not Usher Raymond, not the artist, just the person. And uh, so it gave him a place where he could really mature from a kid to a to a young man, from a man from a young man to an adult. Um, Now. The second part of that question, um, how do I get that courage? You know, again, as a woman of faith, prayer um, is everything for me. You know, it's nothing that I do in and of my own strength. But what I've found is when I really seek God in prayer and when I'm open to really receive the answer, even when I don't understand it, you know, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding, He is always delivered. He has always delivered. I mean, he has always, without fail, delivered. And um, I've been willing to take the bumps along the way. You know, the the courage wasn't from a place of everything has gone great. Far from it. I've I've taken more bumps and bruises than I have victories. Um, but I found every bump and bruise was so much value. You know, they say we grow when with the bad things. Um, you know that's where the real maturity comes, um, and so the courage comes from prayer, and the courage comes from knowing that every lesson learned is a value to keep moving me from glory to glory.
0: Um, so, what was the um, the ten months you did? Be- you had you said you were going to tell us later the ten months
1: between Lavert and Laface Yeah, well, between Laface and Glue. Oh look face and glue. Yeah, between like face and glue. And like I said, I was so burnt out. I mean, I was burnt out. I I traveled so much. My my, my dad and my bonus mom were driving from Cincinnati, Ohio to Atlanta to come visit me. And I gave them the directions, right? What do you do? You give them the visas, again, pre Google. Right. So there was no GPS and maps, right. you know.
0: And my so I'm problem. giving them <laughs> Yeah.
1: So I'm giving them the directions to my apartment and my dad calls me and he's like, you know, Sherry, um, I thought you was going to give us the directions to your apartment. And I was like, well, daddy, I did. He said, no, baby, you gave us the directions to the airport. We're, we're at the airport. That's how much I was traveling. <laughs> I instinctively gave him directions to the airport, not to my apartment. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And so... When I knew it was time to resign, I also knew that I had to take a moment and really decompress. Like, I had to really allow myself to, you know, for lack of a way to put it, just get that smell off of me. You know, how we can just jump into something else. And I'm talking now about, you know, LaFace, but, I mean, it could be relationships. It could be jobs. You know, it could be a lot of things that we just jump from one thing to the other because we don't have the courage to just stop for a minute. Um, Because we fear, oh my God, if I don't go after another job, I'll never be employed again. Or if I don't get right back in the dating scene, you know, I'll never date again. And the reality is, is so much of what has established me, 20 plus years later, was those 10 months. Um, During that those 10 months, I I would never forget this. I went home. I went home to Kentucky um, to spend time with my mom and uh, my aunt said it's so good to have you home and really talk to you and I found that really funny um, because I'm like I come home two three times a year and she was like yeah but when you come home you were always doing something else and that was such an eye-opener for me it was my first lesson in the difference between being present meaning just being in someone's presence and actually being present, because so many times, and it's so, such a valuable lesson now with me having children. There's so many times that we're actually in a person's presence, but we're really not present. And and it's a struggle. I mean, I I, I fight with it every day. You know, with my husband, with my children, with my mom. And you know, I, I sometimes I lose the battle because I just you know there's commitments that I'm trying to meet and deadlines I'm trying to meet, but. I try to be as conscious of it as possible. Um, and then sometimes you just doggone tired, you know, <laughs> you just want to shut it down. Right. Um, but it's, You know, but it's many of those, I could share many great, great lessons that establish the foundation that I'm still standing on just by taking that time. You know, my dad thought I was having a nervous breakdown because I quit my job. I bought a house all at the same time. So I literally, like, the day I resigned, like I closed on my house the next day. The day my last day at LaFace was the same day I moved into my house. My dad was like, "Who does that? Like, who quits their job and buys a house all at the same time? Like, you've lost your mind." Um, but uh, I, I also set myself up because the first uh, man, I guess, the first three or four years, I built out my basement and I ran glue um, out of. I had an entire area in my home that was my office. And uh, so I was still in, in tune with my next steps.
0: Oh, that is, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> but, I was going to say, what did your parents think? Because my
1: parents would have been like, you're leaving a six-figure, have you lost it completely? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the crazy thing is my dad didn't know, he, my dad had no idea what I was doing. Like my dad. I never told my dad I wanted to work in entertainment because for him that was drug, sex, and rock and roll. So, you know, (laughs) that didn't make sense. Like, ah, you going to college? You working on a degree? You gonna do what? And um, out of college, when I graduated, I had job job offers. You know, like at that time, you know, nice paying job offers. And then my dad lived in Cincinnati, so his whole thing is come to Procter and Gamble. And so it never made sense to him how I could turn down jobs making sixty, seventy thousand dollars out of college to go to Cleveland and get a job making twenty thousand dollars an hour. I mean, twenty thousand dollars a year. Lose that job and be getting. I got another job at a record store, making three forty-five an hour. At travel, I was making like four dollars an hour. You know, and he was like, I don't understand it. Um, and then even when I worked at LaFace and I'm making six figures, and he would come and see this building and. You know, he was still like, I don't know what y'all doing here. He's like, I mean, literally when I was at LaFace for three years, he was like, I don't know what you're doing, but you haven't asked me for money. So, you know, <laughs> whatever. Like, <laughs> I mean, literally probably maybe three years before my father passed, we were sitting at the kitchen table. And uh, he said, will you please help me understand what it is you do? And and this was seven years ago because my dad had be deceased four years. It was like three years before he passed so that's literally deep in my career and he was like can you just help me understand what you do because I still don't know what it is that you do
0: (laughs) that is too funny (laughs) that is too funny so you mentioned it a little bit but um, you're married you have children you're an entrepreneur um, everything many of us want like myself Mm -hmm. so one day Sherry sat me down and gave me a talking to like only a big sister could and, um, <laughs> and I didn't get upset, I wasn't defensive either, was I?
1: No, you weren't. You were no, you were very receptive. Yes.
0: I listened to everything she said, so I, yes, she she does remember. So basically, mm-hmm. she told me that I wasn't giving any time to my personal life, and that is why it was not flourishing. Yes. So and you know I did make moves on that, and so one day hopefully it all pay off. But um, yes. so what would you tell my friends who are just like me? who are, you know, moving up the ladder and they still don't have any kids, they're not married, um, they're really not dating.
1: What would you tell them? Stop spending a hundred percent of your time on ten percent of who you are. And what does that mean? That means you have to make room in your life. You know, you literally and it, again it goes back to that courage question. It goes back to that courage question. Will you have the courage to make room in your life and when I say make room I mean there's so many women and men um, but we're talking specifically now for women they'll say oh well I'm not dating anybody so it's okay that they're you know working sixty hours seventy hours a week and they're volunteering at their church and they're active in their community and 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 you know and and I say to them but there's no room because even if a guy was interested in you he's looking at your life going where would I fit where would I fit you know or you're so busy he could be sitting right there in front of you but you just whipping past him like you know that what was what's that Tasmanian devil like you just <laughs> whoop, you know um, or you're just so caught up in your own thoughts that your face is never welcoming and, and let me tell you what I mean when I say that um, I know someone very close to me and they always have a scowl, you know this, you know this right here on their face. Scowl. Oh. Um, yeah, and and a part of it is just because they're always focused. You know, they're an entrepreneur. They're trying to get this done. They're trying to get down there But that's how they walk around all the time. I mean, if they walk in with their friends, if they're walking in the restaurant, if they're at Kroger, you know, wherever they are. And so the reality is, the men around them don't know that they're thinking about, you know, how they're gonna make payroll or. You know how they gonna get make this deadline. All they see is this beautiful woman who has this scowl. What is it? Squ- squ- scowl. Scow- oh. Scowl yeah, of their face. And so there's never this welcoming energy that says, "Hey, you know, just come talk to me." And then there's times when a gentleman does approach, and they're so you know caught up in their own thoughts, they immediately come off kind of abrasive. Like what? What? What do you? What is it? What do you? So that's the first interaction, you know. So it's like you know, take that. That guard down, you know. Keep your arms from being folded. Keep a smile on your face. You know, that's the automatic healing for that. This constant here, just, you know, put that smile on your face because it just opens up everything. So make room. You know, the simple thing of just smile. Um, and then the last thing is change your picture. Meaning, so many of us take a blank canvas and we paint a picture on it and then we expect a man to come fit into our picture and what I would challenge each of us to do is take your picture off have a blank canvas and just allow yourself to be open to the process now it doesn't mean you don't have you know dreams and hopes and guidelines and you know ideas of what you would like him to be I mean we've gotta have standards we've gotta have those things but at the end of the day nobody can fit into something that you've tightly created, allow yourself to come into an, the, you know this dating environment with just a blank canvas and just be open to the picture that dating allows you to create.
0: Now on the flip side of that, to the married women with families
1: like mm-hmm. yourself,
0: how do you balance entrepreneurship which is totally different than just having a job and your family?
1: Well, first of all, I don't believe in balance um, because and, and any mother can attest to this. Like if I'm in a meeting downtown, you know, 20 miles, 30 miles from my daughter's school and my daughter gets sick, there's no way to balance that. I'm either going to leave the meeting or I'm going to go pick up my child. You know, there's no balance there. What I do believe in is integration. You know, how do we fully integrate? Um, and there's some choices we have to make. You know, I right now I I wanted to go to Los Angeles for the Grammys. I mean, I I I wanted to. There were some key meetings that I was setting up, um, but my husband is traveling during that time, and and one of us needs to be here with our children, so I'm not going. So I am, you know, my husband and I and myself. I've created what's my, um, what I call like my priority list. It's God. It's me. My husband. It's my children. And so I filter my choices and my decisions through that. And as you can see, I put me after God. Because that's what the word says. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And a lot of times, especially for women, we make us, the woman, the wife, the mother, last. And then we are completely exhausted. We're completely drained. And we're trying to give our family everything they need from the fumes that we have left versus, making sure that we're fulfilled so that we're giving from our overflow because what's going to be more impactful to your children your fumes or your overflow i mean it's it's very easy and i know we've all heard this you know put the mask on yourself so you can save your children uh, if you put the mask try to put the mask on your child first both of y'all die and that's uh, so I'm very you know I'm very conscious again some days I win some days I don't some days I'm good some days i'm i'm not um, but then I try to make sure that the time that we do spend, that I'm focused on them. And again, sometimes I win, sometimes I don't. But it's always my intention. You know, I try to have real conversations with both of my daughters. I try to spend quality time with my husband. Um, and I try to make sure I spend time with my mom, And you know, in addition to the priorities that come with the company. And, it, and it's calendar. My mentor, Michael Hyatt, says what gets done gets, is what's on your calendar. And so if you look at my calendar, I have on there the time that I spend playing with my daughter. I have on there the time that I do something with my 16-year-old. I have on my calendar when I'm going to sit down with my mom. Like I don't just leave it to, oh, it's going to happen because I love them no because everything is going to get pushed in. I have on my calendar when I go to the gym you know those things I literally put on my calendar not because I need a reminder but because if I don't calendar it I risk it not getting done at the level that I want it done um, so it's it, you know we kinda think well it's your family you know you won't not do that hmm <laughs> <laughs>
0: Huh. That is interesting. You know, um, Theresa <laughs> Mathcom said that was deep. Your fumes or your overflow. I like that. I like that analogy too. That was very good. <laughs> and I agree. If it's not in the calendar, I don't have to do it. That's well, what I. Well, I you,
1: say, you so. forget. You know, it's like 24 hours. The day of passed, and you're like, oh my God, I meant to talk to my dad. I mean, my mom. Or oh my God, I am meant to do this with my daughter. Or, oh my God, I'm. You know, so it's not that the intention isn't there. It just makes it visible. And uh, thank you, Teresa, the films of the overflow. Thank you.
0: (laughs) So how do you define true leadership? And I mean, working with Les Brown and John Maxwell, I know that you probably have a really great answer for this.
1: Yeah, nothing original, because I truly believe what what John says, that um, leadership is nothing more than influence. Uh, influence of money. I used to say this when I worked at Lafayette I used to say the person who leads is the person who has influence over the people and the money mm. and when I when I would say that when I worked at Lafayette because here I was you know relatively new to the company and I you know was it was a very young company when I got there and again I was very green I mean when I came into a very high-level position um and, and wasn't quote-unquote a high-level executive yet, I grew into one very quickly. Um, but immediately, I had a leadership role, and I had a leadership role because I was astute enough to be very effective with multi-million-dollar budgets, and I was very astute at building great relationships with the staff, with the artists, and with my bosses. And and so I began to really recognize that I could make things happen at the highest level. Uh, because of the influence I had over budgets and because of the influence I had over people. I was able to stop things that I didn't believe in that were better things that the artist could do and not do. And so I began to really understand that working at Lafayette. Um, But then, you know, 20-some years later, now being uh, working with John Maxwell to hear him say, leadership is nothing more than influence. It just really kind of confirmed <laughs> being that he's the number one leadership expert in the world. Uh, it, it confirmed what I'd always kind of known uh, from from my experiences in the faith. Um, and then I would just add, I would say leadership is also being able to effectively serve. You know, I go to Victory World Church, and uh, Montel Williams is a pastor there. And yesterday he uh, preached a sermon on uh on leadership and leadership being the power of serving and service and um, you know you interviewed my sister my dear friend you know Shanti Das and you know where Shanti is in her career her leadership now is rooted in service yeah. and what she's genuinely doing from a philanthropic endeavor i mean you have bill gates you know who transitioned from microsoft with with the bill and uh with his melinda, melinda. Uh, gates foundation and I mean yes he's sitting on billions of dollars um, but there's such a servant heart there you mm-hmm. know there's such a servant heart and when you really look at individuals like him that are making world significant difference there there's a servant heart there because there's so many people that have money there's so many people that have you know access but they're not leaders you know they're not leaders they may have a lot of followers but they're not necessarily leaders, um, and so I, I look at those three things: service, servitude, uh, influence over money, and influence over people.
0: And that, what is your definition of success?
1: Peace, I, I, you know that bottom line. I, I, I Can I read what I what I sent yeah, out on Instagram yeah, today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> today it's so funny you asked this question because I, you know. I, And and it's so interesting. I can say that to you now. Um, That would not have been my answer for many, many years leading up to now. Uh, For many years, especially in high school, college, LaFace, Glue, uh, success to me was very different. But I've matured enough where I've, you know, like the Bible says, I've had plenty and I've had nothing. And in either instance, the only thing that mattered to me was peace. Um, The only thing. So Denzel said, success question mark I don't know what that word means I'm happy but success that goes back to what's in someone else's eyes so what somebody else thinks, says success is for me success is inner peace that's a good day for me and I literally saw that from Chris Hicks thank you Chris and I reposted it not knowing that Dr. Renee was going to ask me that question <laughs> but thats I mean when I say my entire drive since I left with faith, and since I had the money, the access, the accolades, the awards, you know I did all these great things and I had no peace. Um, that's when my journey of exponential living, pursuing peace, choosing clarity and living courageously began because I realized I wasn't the only one. There's so many people that have what the world calls success um, and they're miserable and all they really want is peace. Peace is the new success. And peace isn't something you can buy. Clarity isn't something you can buy. Um, and so that, for me, is success, is, is being able to pursue peace, choose clarity, and live courageously.
0: And on that note, um, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Please tell everyone, what
1: what can we do to support you? You know, um, what what do you have coming up? Well, I uh, thank you so much, Dr. Renee. This has been my purpose and my pleasure. You know to support you is always a plus for me, thank my you. dear friend. Um, I would love for your audience to follow me on Twitter at Sherry Riley, S-H-E-R-I-R-I-L-E-Y. It's the same for Instagram. And I would love for you to go to my website, again, Sherry Riley, and sign up for my blog, sign up for my newsletter. Um, They're I very blog- good, I must say. Thank you, thank you. I would love for your audience to please come join my Exponential Living community. And I will be um, speaking at um, Steve Harvey's Act Like a Success Conference. This is his first one, uh, March 6th through the 8th. So I'm actually speaking on March 7th and it's uh, in Reston, Virginia. But would love is actlikeasuccessconference.com. Uh, so for any of your audience that's really looking to hear some great speakers and and get served in a high level on you know what it is to really get that full scope of success which is peace and money and access you know and and all of the fullness of what we can deem as success Um, that's going to be a great conference for that insight.
0: Oh that that sounds like that's going to be wonderful. March 7th would have been my grandmother's Ninety-something birthday, I can't remember right now, but yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> um, but thank you, everyone, for watching and asking questions. This show is here to motivate and inspire you to live the life that you deserve. I hope that we have motivated and inspired at least one of you. Please feel free to comment or email me how the show has helped you. And if you have anyone that you think that I should talk to because you are motivated or inspired by them, please let me know. And remember, if you have any questions, ask Dr. Renee. And that's my website, AskDrRenee.info, my YouTube channel, my Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, everything is Ask Dr. Renee. Good
1: night. Good night.